Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Are you interested in angels, demons, spirits, ghosts, and monsters? Are you curious about their origins, tales, and influence upon history and on the present day? If so, sit back, relax, and welcome to Southern Demonology, the podcast that explores all of this and more. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello all, welcome back to another episode of Southern Demonology, and as always, I'm your host, JJ. Happy holidays, y'all. As we are just a few weeks away from a brand new year, I wanted to start off with a quick recap of how Southern Demonology is doing overall and give credit where credit is due to you all, the listeners. When I started this podcast way back in 2017, I expected to have three people listen to my ramblings, one of whom would be my mom. And yes, while my mom is indeed one of the listeners to this day, hi mom, I was still blown away by the amount of people who tuned in. In that first year, I had over 3,000 listeners. And then, that nearly doubled to 5,800 the next year. And that trend has only increased. 2019 saw 6,800 people But then in 2020, that number exploded into 16,700. Hmm, I wonder what happened in 2020 that would make people listen to podcasts more, especially to dig around and try to find my podcast. (laughs) Um, And all of that just completely blew my mind. But 2021 has kept my jaw hanging wide open. Uh, as so far, we've had almost 21,500 plays. That may not seem like a huge amount, and compared to other popular programs, it's not. But for me, it is unimaginable. Moreover, the Discord server has gone from a handful of individuals to nearly 90, And even my website has been getting several thousand hits each and every month. So I wanted to take a little time and say that I am humbled and honored. Whether you've joined Discord, written me an email, or just listened to an episode on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I cannot say that enough. Looking forward to to the new year, I will be trying a few new things in order to help increase audience participation. For example, on Wednesday, December 22nd at 7 p.m. Eastern Time in the U.S., I will be hosting a live talk on wisdom, 
a social audio platform that's been featured on the Apple App Store and written about in such publications as TechCrunch and the Financial Post. If there's an interest, I may even start to run regular sessions there or even produce an episode after show. Uh, You can find me via my username, Southern Demonology, all one word, and I will have this information in the episode's description. So, if you have any questions or would like to hear some additional thoughts, I may be even uh, to be able to get some additional guests to come on board, then come on by. It'd be great to have you. So, speaking of guests, the heavens have aligned in some sort of particular configuration. And I've gotten the chance to line up a few different interviews, which will be featured in the upcoming days and weeks. For example, uh, I will be releasing a episode Christmas Eve with Christy, a scholar who has studied Aramaic incantation bowls. And if you think those sound cool, then just wait till you get to hear more about them. Plus, she's also just an incredibly awesome person. I'm also prepping an episode uh, featuring some of the life experiences and methods of demonic protection that come straight from one of our Discord members, Listeroo. I also hope to get uh, scheduled some interviews around angels, a topic that I have yet to fully discuss, followed by a talk on the perfectly possessed. And if you've heard any of my episodes around um, modern uh, Uh, exorcism then I have mentioned a few times what a perfectly possessed person is and we're going to go deeper into that kind of context that's a lot but there's one more and that's tonight's talk with our dear friend Toki from Japan Explained who would delve more not only into yokai and even some yudai uh, which are monsters and ghosts for those who aren't in the know. Um, but we'll also share some of her knowledge around Kyoto and how yokai helped shape it into what it is now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some more yokai knowledge featuring Toki from Japan Explained. Well, I am happy to have uh, Toki back. Uh, from her podcast, we recently did a an entire yokai episode, and she shared a lot of her phenomenal knowledge. And uh, she was nice enough to volunteer to come back, which was surprising, but also really, really fantastic. So I thoroughly appreciate it. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you. Awesome. So before we continue, can you uh, just give us another rundown of your podcast and any special events that have been currently going on? Sure. So my podcast is Japan Explained, and I explain everything about Japan one episode at a time. So you can learn more about yokai if you want, or you can learn also about Japanese food, uh, history, and uh, even karaoke recently, actually. (laughs) <laughs> oh that's awesome <laughs> karaoke boxes are amazing to go to i would like to touch on that at the end if you don't mind sure okay but uh, so today we're going to continue on with our discussion of uh yokai but i think uh because i don't have too much knowledge of it i've never even been there because i was so busy working but i would like to kind of 
zoom into uh, Kyoto, which, of course, Toki has a phenomenal amount of knowledge about. Uh, so if uh, you could walk us through some of that, as you put it, the mystical world of Kyoto, I think that everyone would love to be able to hear about that. So why Kyoto is so special in Japan, it's it's been a capital of Japan for more than 1,000 years. And the history of Kyoto actually starts with evil spirits because initially the capital was not supposed to be there. So how the story of Kyoto starts is that in Nara, the emperor was constantly surrounded by priests from Buddhist temples and he was fed up with that. So he thought, okay, I'll move the capital away from Nara, leave all these temples, all these monks. And uh, he actually did that. He moved to a small city of Nagaoka and started building the capital there. Except that there was a plot and the main architect was killed and a lot of different uh, bad events happened. So the emperor asked to investigate and they found out that it was his brother who was actually responsible for all of that. They sent him to exile. That was, at the time, the worst that could happen to any noble person because all the culture, everything was in the capital. If you're sent out of the capital, it's like you've been sent to, I don't know, like an inhabited island or something. They oh, really imagine. found that, yeah, they found it like a super, super harsh punishment. And uh, on the way to his exile, he probably starved himself to death and he turned into evil spirit. So he returned back to Nagaoka and he started making people sick. He started killing members of imperial household and the emperor understood that this evil spirit will just not let him do anything in this city. And he set up to find a new capital for himself. So this time he was like, okay, I need a place where this spirit or any other spirit, they cannot follow me. I need some very auspicious, very nice place. And Japan at the time was still borrowing a lot of their knowledge, everything from China. So they turned into Chinese belief that the city, the capital should be protected by four magic animals. Uh, one would be Genbu, the black turtle with like a snake tail mm -hmm. uh, the second would be Byako, the white tiger Seiru, the blue dragon and Suzaku, the red phoenix and they found this place called, well now called Kyoto uh, which actually has all the criteria for ideal capital and as a bonus to it, it already had a few pretty good shrines to protect the city on the most dangerous direction, which is the northeast. So they built, they moved the capital there, they built the city according to all the Chinese standards, and they really protected it from the from the mystical beings. And why is the northeast the most dangerous? So when it comes to the Northeast, uh, Japan, again, as you were using a lot of things as China, and in China, you measured time by the animals of the zodiacal circle. Mm -hmm. So 
this the northeast and actually they also measured time and they measured directions on these animals and northeast was in between tiger and uh, bull and if you look at the images of oni japanese demons they actually represent this direction because they have bull horns and they wear lion claws made of tiger skin. Um, yeah, I can see that. That's a, that's a, that is an amazing bit of trivia right there. I had no idea, honestly. <laughs> so the north where the northeast, it was like the most feared direction. It was considered that all the evil comes from that direction. So if you look at Imperial, at Imperial Palace in Kyoto, uh, it's been rebuilt in a slightly different place nowadays, but on the northeastern corner, it actually doesn't have a proper corner. It's kind of concaved and it has a figurine of monkey there because in Japanese, the word monkey, saru, is pronounced exactly like the word saru, which means to leave. So mm -hmm. that was a clue to the demons, like, okay, guys, you're not welcome. <laughs> oh that is awesome they also had a lot of temples on the northeast uh, direction to protect it like for example the famous uh, uh, temple on mount hiei and rakuji it's also protecting this direction and you can go all the way to like nearby shiga prefecture and they will have small shrines and temples following this line and they all have like monkeys or like monkey carvings and stuff like that to protect the palace. Well, I will be dang. Yeah, I know that Kyoto is famous for its, uh, for its temples, but uh, to actually know the reason why that is, is um, and why they might be so elaborate is definitely interesting. They have a lot of these little details because on one hand, in building Kyoto, Emperor was running away from all the Buddhist monks. So temples inside Kyoto were actually prohibited for a very long time. But then on the outskirts of the capital, you have a lot of temples protecting the city or like they have a lot of mystic, like a lot of legends surrounding them that there was some saint or something like that happening in the area and that's why they build the temple gotcha um so i know that you had also mentioned that you know kyoto is home to uh demon parades and demon slayers and on miyoji um if you could give us like a little bit of a rundown on those i, I think everyone would love to hear about it i know oh, I sure sure <laughs> so how the capital of Kyoto was built actually plays a big part in that. So Chinese capitals were built as a rectangular that is elongated from north to south. Mm -hmm. Then in the north, in the very center, you have imperial palace. And then the rest is uh, cut in squares like a chessboard. And then you have like big streets and smaller streets and they are numbered. So the Imperial Palace is the north edge of the city and the street it ends with is the first, the first street. Or in Kyoto, it was called Ichijodori. Mm. 
And as the edge of the capital, well, any edges in a lot of cultures, they are tricky places because they are not here and not there. So that's the place where all the bad energy, all the evil spirits, they will gather there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So since the capital itself was really well protected from bad spirit center in there, they gathered there on the unprotected outskirts this Ichijodori, and uh, it was said that sometimes there were like so many of them that they were forming the parades, and uh, you have the word Hyakkiyagyo that uh, afterwards uh, reimagined in more like comical way and like funny scrolls and everything, but initially it was something considered to be super scary. It was the days when all these evil Oni, all these evil spirits, they gathered and they were like parading and having fun on the outskirts of the capital. And then if you men, if you end up there at the same time as they are, then nobody knows what can happen to you. Well, I'll be done. Well, that was actually so considered to be so scary that uh, the Imperial Palace, it had the Bureau of Divination one of the uh, jobs of this bureau was to predict like days when this Hekiyaga procession will be out so that people sit at home, they don't go outside, they don't, uh, they don't have a chance to meet with demons. Obviously, not everybody followed. And we have some stories of uh, like aristocrats meeting with this demonic procession. And, uh, well, they, ba- they broke the rules and of not going out, but at the same time, like they knew what to do when they made the procession. So like they asked their peasants to lower the blinds of their palanquin and then they would be sitting and chanting the prayers. And uh, then the, it helped them to safely go through that. The funny point in all the stories, though, is that the peasants they don't see the demons. Only the nobleman can. <laughs> isn't that always the way (laughs) yeah like Japanese noblemen they really thought about them like they they are special like all these peasants there you don't understand anything you actually find very similar things in uh, Mesopotamia uh, because if you happen to say suffer from from migraines then that was because, uh, you know, a, a ghost had essentially inhabited your room. And so you would then hire in an exorcist who would then perform all manners of spells in order to keep you safe and protected from these otherworldly beings that were inhabiting you. So, 
Wow. Um, and then, uh, so we have the demon parades, but what about the demon slayers? So, yeah, obviously you have demon parades and uh, then uh, there are demon slayers. These happened in Kyoto and around Kyoto. And there are a few very famous stories. I think one of the best known is Shuten Doji. Did you hear about that one? Mm, it's not ringing any bells. It's a very famous, like old Japanese story. I think it's forgotten now a lot. And uh, it's a pity. It's pretty cool. But uh, it's sad that in the north of Kyoto, in the mountains, there was a demon living and he was called Shuten Doji or translated as a sake-loving guy. More like sake-loving kid, but uh, well, kids are not supposed to drink nowadays. So, And uh, there was a famous story of a uh, samurai from, coming from Kyoto to fight him uh, because Shuten Doji and his gang, they were coming to the capital, they were kidnapping the daughters from aristocratic families, and then they were bringing them to the mountains where, as legend says, they were pickling them and eating them and uh, like they were super awful, uh, like human flesh eating demons. And then there were there was a hero, hero Minamoto Raiko, who went there and uh, with uh, some help from Buddhas and then with help of his retainers, obviously, and even some uh, magical divinations from the famous Onmyoji, uh, Abenoseime, that he went there and he managed to find this uh, demon and to kill him and to save all the princesses and bring them back to Kyoto. Then another famous one and the one that actually has like a remains in Kyoto still, uh, it's uh, Nue. Nue is a majestic creature, really. It looks super awesome. Uh, it's a type of Japanese chimera. And uh, it is said that once uh, it was trying to attack the imperial palace, it came a few times and it really scared the emperor. So then another samurai, he tried to save the emperor and he shoot the Nue from his bow. and. Uh, he managed to hit it and Nua fell. And now the place where Nua fell is actually marked. It has a small Nua pond and uh, a little shrine dedicated to Nua. Because it's a funny Japanese tradition. Like if you kill something, if it's a demon, if it's a monster, like you put a shrine after them and show them like, okay, now you're dead. We like you now. So please be nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially how you can convert them to essentially become, you know, the protectors of that place. I have always found that really interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So... So we've covered at least some of that. Is there any other kind of uh, tidbits or anything that you wanted to cover about uh, kind of the mystical world of Kyoto? Well, uh, speaking again of Ichijodori, actually that's a place that still survives in Kyoto. And now they have like a very cute yokai figures near the shops on this street mm -hmm. uh, to remind people of uh, the old days. But uh, there was one guy who actually built his house near Ichijodori because for him, it was the best place to live. 
The guy was called Abenoseime, and he's known as the most famous magician and uh, in Japan in Japanese he's called Onmyoji, so like Inyan master mm-hmm. of a sort in Japan. He was uh, working for Imperial Court and he has a ton of legend about him. Like some legends even say that he was not fully human, that his mom was a fox. And oh, uh, yeah, yes, that uh, there is a legend that uh, his father saved uh, Kitsune and then to thank him, she became his wife and they had a son who became Abenoseimei. And then with this heritage, he had, he was living kind of in two worlds at the time. He was being, he was living in the human world, but at the same time, he had really deep insight into the demon world so he could make demons serve him or he could find them or exercise them when nobody else could. So he's like a super, super cool guy. And he was living right in the Ichijob street. Oh my gosh. I think that you have just um, eliminated, I mean, uh, illuminated like half of all anime, uh, you know, uh, storylines just right there. (laughs) I I believe there there is a lot, a lot of things based on Seimei because he's been a famous person since pretty much since his life, I guess. True. And there are there are just so many um legends, you know, Mikashi Mikashi of um of all of these um you know simple farmer from anywhere from simple farmers to noblemen uh who you know happened to have rescued something or had a wife who turned out to be, you know, mystical or evil or loving, uh, but, you know, always found themselves kind of straddling these two different kinds of worlds. Those are always my favorite kind of like legends from Japan. They're just so beautiful and strange, you know, half the time. Yeah. And it's interesting how actually a lot of these stories have kind of happy ending like when you think of japanese fairy tales in general like these ones where they're sad but it's it's a happy ending in this episode i always found it interesting that these ones that are kind of like the most dangerous creatures in them and then like boom everybody's alive (laughs) (laughs) oh that's always the best part of it Awesome. Well, I um also wanted to. Uh, I know that you have some uh, some interesting takes on uh, Okiku uh, from uh, Himeji Castle, which we talked about in our uh, Uday episode, and uh, would love to get some. Uh, you know, if you have anything else that you wanted to add on uh, on her story. Well. Okiku is a really interesting character, I would say, because she is not a very typical yurei. Absolutely. Because, like, if you look at other famous yurei, especially Oiva, like, they are scary. Yep. Okiku, she's not scary. She's more like the sad ghost type, and she comes out of her well as a reminder. But... uh, I really like how after the story became really famous, like Okiku is one of the three famous ghosts in Japan, and uh, the 
Kabuki play, the story everything was based on, and like the first Kabuki play were called Bansho no Sarayashiki, the plates mentioned from Bansho province. And Bansho province is the old name for like Hyogo, part of Hyogo prefecture. So like Kobe and Himeji cities. So Himeji castle actually has a well from where Okiku was coming from. Mm-hmm. And uh, like they still preserve it and everything, but then because the story was so much so famous, there were like a lot of castles saying, "No, no, 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 no! It's it's our well. It's it's our story." So I like how everybody wanted their piece of fame from this. Oh yeah! In fact, um, I th- so there's been some you know uh, some local research done trying to trace back all of the different kinds of origin stories that resulted around Okiku. And I think it wound up being something like 110 different variations upon her tale and claiming, no, this is the well in which she comes from. So <laughs> I would totally believe in that. It was massively popular. So especially in other periods, people were really trying to, to make a lot. They were making a lot of legends. Like if you look at any part of Japanese culture in any period, people really made it difficult for historians. Oh, absolutely. I mean, not just between kind of blurring the lines between real world situations and then uh, kaidan or ghost stories and, you know, throwing them together. And then you had variations upon that being done in no theater. uh, And it just keeps like getting a life of its own and snowballing all over the place. Yes, yes. (laughs) So it's, it's, it's a giant snowball, but I do think that in Okiku's case, Himeji is like one of the believable stories, especially because the domain was very fame, very rich at the time. So they actually could have these plates that she's supposed, supposedly broken. True. And, and just the way in which, you know, it came about that, you know, she's kind of blamed for the plates. Um, you know, whether it is the, the, you know, the master of the castle or his son uh, trying to coerce her into having a sexual relationship. And after he's rebuffed, you know, he uh, hides the plate, but then it becomes damaged. And so she gets blamed for it. I, mean, I know that there are a thousand different variations on that tale, but um, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's so, all of it is just so overwhelmingly sad. Yeah, it's really, really sad. And I think that's why people liked it because it was different and it was really like, I imagine if you would see it in Kabuki theater, like it would make you cry. And you come to Kabuki theater to have strong emotions. You come to laugh strongly, you come to cry. It's it's a public, it's, it's a theater for regular public, for regular working people. So they didn't need something very deep, but they needed something really touching. Yeah, and I mean, it's the same with any kind of like um, older theater tradition, but there are just so many little cues and, uh, you know, that uh, someone who's not familiar with no would be completely lost upon. Uh, But all of the, especially when it comes to the representation of 
uh, Gude within No, how it was always done so elaborately and so scary and often with real blood, although not human. Uh, yeah, it's just, oh God, they're just amazing to be able to, to find recordings of and to be able to watch. Yeah, Japanese theater is, is, is awesome. Like, I'm not that good with no theater because it's too formal and uh, I, I find myself asleep a lot of times watching nope. but kabuki <laughs> <laughs> kabuki is something like they do have boring plays but most of them they're just so colorful and the costumes are awesome and like all the special effects they put in there like they would have in uh, 17th, 17th century already they would have like mist and moving stage and all this awesome stuff that make you feel like wow this magician he is really flying or like this demon he really disappeared into nowhere it was just i can't believe i can't imagine how awesome people thought it was yeah absolutely in fact strangely enough there's been a lot of i'm going to keep going back to anime for a second I'm, i apologize for that um but there's always these like little niche anime interests that people you can almost see the author thinking what can I do something about that no one else has touched upon? So you get these, you know, unique musical instruments and uh, those become, you know, entire episodes about things. But then there was one that was solely about a kabuki club in high school that was it was beautiful i mean and everyone derided them oh you have no idea the tradition you'll never be able to do it and they don't really but still is you know, if you've never experienced kabuki in any way shape or form uh, that is a fantastic kind of primer as to some of the 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 you know just the majesty that they can uh, that they can produce without a problem in the world so <laughs> yeah I love Kabuki, and uh, actually, what I like about it, even nowadays, it's really trying to stay modern. Like I watched Naruto Kabuki. And, oh, you're uh, kidding me! Yeah, it was really, really cool. And uh, like they took the story and they really squished it into like two hours' time. But they had this giant battle of you know Jiraiya and his frog and uh, the. Uh, what's the the name of the lady the one of hook i guess like with her with her uh oh that's not it's not a snail it's not a snail but yes it's a snail it's a giant snail or something so there they had this snail and the frog and the snake and they had all these giant figurines like moving and then they had uh, some special effects on the monitor behind it was really really fun like they brought good old uh kabuki and then just mixed it with anime and uh, it, it's awesome too bad they couldn't have done a better show but yeah i mean that does sound awesome <laughs> all right well I, I think that that is all the time that we have for today uh was there anything else that you wanted to uh, to call out toki before we end things since we're on a point of anime, I just wanted to ask you, have you watched Hozuki no Reitetsu? Uh, the name's not ringing a bell. Can you give me a small description? Uh, it's about life in Japanese hell. No, I have not. 
because I was remembering about one more cool uh, story about the mystical world of Kyoto, and then it made me think about this anime. It's absolutely gorgeous. You have Japanese folk tales mixed with Buddhist belief and like the full structure, very, very structured Japanese hell. And the guy who rules it all, it's absolutely gorgeous anime. Okay, I will be checking that out today. Because amazingly, you know, we're coming at the very tail end of the uh, summer anime season. Um, and I'm always looking for things to kind of fill up the gap between when the previous season is ending and the new one has yet to start up. Uh, so I would definitely check that out, especially when um, like one of the standout hits for this particular season has been Miyadoko-chan, um, uh, uh, which is about a girl who suddenly, for some strange reason, begins to see Yurei everywhere and they scare the ever living crap out of her but she like <laughs> steals her she like convinces herself that if i don't react to them then they can't do anything to me and it's just it actually just keeps getting better and better and better it's been really awesome actually and just the name of the show miedico uh you know i it's a small girl who can see things and it's just you know it's, it's kind of poetic to me i, I, I like it i should give it a try Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for sharing your wealth of information. Uh, and yeah, uh, when uh, I know, I know that, you know, we have talked about having a, a third installment of this uh, when the time is right. So uh, yeah, I look forward to, uh, to talking to you again in the future. Thank you. I'll be glad to come back anytime. So just let me know. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, this is, has been uh, Toki from uh, Japan Explained. Thank you again. And uh, yeah, we will uh, talk to you next time. Thank you for having me. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Southern Demonology. Find us online at southerndemonology.com where you can find all of our social and podcasting links. Also, if you have a moment, please feel free to rate this podcast and leave any encouraging feedback that you may have. As always, I am JJ, and it has been a pleasure getting to talk to you today.